is one doctrine that satan wants to distort what do you think that will what doctrine that will be if there is just that one doctrine that satan wants to tweak little bit here and there or distort what will be that doctrine that is the doctrine of justification sometimes it appears as though satan has succeeded in distorting this doctrine so that he can keep large number of people still under sin and under his dominion it appears like that so paul in the letters to the romans he spends considerable time in explaining this doctrine of justification because we saw in romans 1:17 for in the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just as it's written the righteous will live by faith you know paul had already explained the moment you understand this doctrine or the moment you understand you have received the righteousness from god then there is no place for boasting in anything there's no place for boasting not only there's no place for boasting you will also have a very high view of the law in fact it is the sanctified believers who uphold the law who in fact who keep up the laws demands paul says so in order to support this case to say that we have received the righteousness from god what paul wants to do is paul calls two great witnesses from the old testament so two great names the one is abraham the most illustrious patriarch if you read the old testament history and then the second person is david the most illustrious king in the life of israel so he says he calls in support of his doctrine he looks to abraham and david interestingly when we read the genealogy of jesus in the gospel of matthew it says jesus the son of david the son of abraham matthew 11 says this is the genealogy of jesus the messiah the son of david the son of abraham that means if paul can say that his doctrine of justification is also approved or also recognized by abraham and david and that means we will have no more questions so paul is calling upon the names of abraham and david some of us might tend to think how does it concern me paul is answering jewish objections how does this concern me after all i am not a jewish person but romans 4 is so rich for our spiritual life we need to understand that it is for our good 
this is in the bible you know we can at least learn two lessons from romans chapter 4 because romans 4 begins like what then in other words i said whenever paul writes what then that means he's going to expound something more so in romans 4 paul is going to explain and teach us more about the meaning of righteousness that's what he's going to do and second thing he's going to do in romans chapter 4 is he's telling the jewish people i am not preaching something new the doctrine of justification the righteousness of god which i'm talking about is not something new it has already been revealed to abraham it has already been known to david so i am not trying to i am not preaching something new and then he is telling to gentile christians don't forget your spiritual heritage your spiritual heritage belongs to abraham you come from that lineage that is the richness of your spiritual heritage that's what paul is telling you gentile christians you need to recognize the spiritual heritage that you have received because you have accepted jesus now you can go back and trace your ancestry to abraham so paul says the righteousness of god which i am telling is nothing new in fact gospel began right in the book of genesis it's not in the new testament it began in in the book of in the old testament itself that's why in galatians chapter 3 verse 8 he says scripture foresaw that god would justify the gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to abraham all nations will be blessed through you so this is the gospel that has been advanced that has been proclaimed well ahead just in the beginning of the scripture itself right in the book of genesis gospel was announced in advance to abraham there's nothing new that we are studying when we say we have received the righteousness of god it is not something new it was already it was announced to abraham let us rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from the letter to the romans chapter 4 verses 1 to 8 romans chapter 4 verses 1 to 8 what then shall we say that abraham our forefather discovered in this matter if in fact abraham was justified by works he had something to boast about but not before god what does the scripture say abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness now when a man works his wages are not credited to him as a gift but as an obligation however to the man who does not work but trust god 
who justifies the wicked his faith is credited as righteousness david says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom god credits righteousness apart from works blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered blessed is the man whose sin the lord will never count against him this is god's word kindly be seated abraham was not justified by his works in other words abraham was not made righteous because of his obedience now if you want to show that abraham was not justified by his works we should rule out that possibility that abraham did not get his righteousness because of his obedience now for a for a moment if we just assume that saving faith equals obedience i'm talking about salvation i'm not talking about sanctification we need to realize so the moment you realize i was saved because i obeyed so abraham can stand before god and he can boast about many things god you know when you asked for isaac i obeyed you i obeyed i did this i did that even we if we, i have been saved because i obeyed god i can still stand before god and say god you saved me because i obeyed you and paul quickly says oh there's no possibility like that even abraham see abraham was known for his obedience we know the story of abraham he says even abraham cannot stand before god and boast that he obeyed god he cannot there's nothing in other words he says we cannot stand before god and boast there's no place for boasting i have already said that if you have received the righteousness of god the first thing is there is no more boasting there is no more boasting so abraham cannot stand before god and he cannot boast that clearly shows we also cannot stand before god and boast because abraham has nothing to boast about if abraham received the righteousness of god it was not because of merit it's not because he did something if you and i have been saved it's not because we did something creditable we struggle i realize that church going people over the period of time we struggle with this because our christian life begins when we understand this doctrine of justification rightly there is nothing we can boast about when we stand in the presence of god that's why in verse 3 he says what does scripture say abraham believed god and it was credited to him 
as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. If you want to understand this particular chapter clearly, we need to understand the meaning of the word credited, the Greek word logizomai. You need to realize because the word credited occurs in several places in this chapter. In verse, in in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 9, 10, 11, 22, 23, and 24. Unless we understand the meaning of the word credited, we will never understand this verse. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So in verse 8, it's, it's logi zatai, which means count. It's purely an accounting term. Something has been credited into your account. Something is being counted. It's an accounting term. What Paul is telling is, Paul is basically quoting Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where it's mentioned that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What does it mean? You know, God treated Abraham as though he was living a righteous life. That's what's meant by credited. It was credited to Abraham. God treated Abraham as though he was leading a righteous life. His faith was not righteousness, but God counted it as righteousness. As you follow, you know, if you, I know we'll struggle with this message, but if you, if you follow it attentively, you will be able to understand. Let the Holy Spirit help each one of us. You know, Douglas Moore writes, uh, if we compare other verses in which the same grammatical construction is used as in Genesis 15:6, we arrive at the conclusion that the crediting of Abraham's faith as righteousness means to account him a righteousness that does not inherently belong to him. When God credits something to us, that means we did not have this before and it does not belong to us. God just gives it as a gift. That's why to credit something is to confer a status that was not there before. When we have been saved, when we say, I have received, I stand in the righteousness of Christ. What do we, how do we understand this? I stand in the righteousness of Christ. So to understand that, we need to realize this righteousness of Christ has been credited to us. We did not earn it. We did not deserve it. But it was just credited to us. We all know the story of Abraham. Abraham was not perfect. He was not blameless. I'm not going to tell all those incidences. But God is treating him as though he's perfect, as though he's blameless. When God credited righteousness to Abraham, Abraham was perfect and blameless in God's sight. We should never forget that our God is a righteous judge. We should never forget that fact. Holy 
father holy father can never overlook sin in our lives so he is a god who judges the wicked now what happened when we were saved god judges the wicked we can never dilute the the holiness of god god is always holy now what happens when we say that god gives us the justification you know when i stand before god the day i was saved i was wicked i was wicked i did not become holy it's not that i became perfect blameless but god credited the righteousness of jesus the righteousness of god i was wicked but god covered me with the righteousness of jesus christ of what he did on the cross this is what we call as imputed righteousness imputed justification the righteousness of christ was given to me you know in your eyes and i know very well in my own eyes i was a wicked person none nobody can stand here and say the day i got saved i became such a perfect person we are all becoming perfect we are all becoming better but now nobody in this place can stand and say the day i accepted jesus as my personal savior i became holy no but god when he saw me just a fraction of a second before just a fraction of a second before i was to be punished i was to be sent to hell i was wicked but god in his grace he covered me with that righteousness and that is where the salvation journey begins that is the doctrine of justification and and when you realize that you will learn to love this god god how could you see me like that how could you ignore all that was within me and still consider me as righteous that was credited to my account in my account abraham was credited the righteousness of god not that i was holy you know people in the church circle they think they are holy so god made them save them nobody none of us all those who have been saved nobody can say i am better than you because all of us before that moment of salvation we were to be judged god judges the wicked and we were wicked and we were to be judged it is at that moment of salvation god gives you the righteousness of god it is at that moment of salvation he covers you with the righteousness of jesus christ that is the doctrine of justification nobody has earned it did i earn it did i deserve it no it's a gift it's a gift that is why it is precious it is precious we don't partake in the lord's supper just like that what a great gift god has given you and me we should be thrilled today we should rejoice because he has given you the righteousness of god why not this church is not rejoicing outside world should see we are rejoicing because god has given his righteousness to us that is salvation when we realize that the joy will appear on your face no one has to say be joyful the joy will come on your face when you understand you were to be judged and sent to hell 
and is that very fraction of the moment he gave you the justification that's why we say you did not choose me but i chose you not because you deserved not because you did something great we don't know i don't know why god should choose me i don't know even today i don't know why god should choose me it is purely is unconditional love i i don't merit i don't merit i don't deserve it i did not earn it that is the justification that is the salvation growing in the church we may have different understanding of salvation today i pray that god will minister to us how great is the salvation i will leave everything in this world but i'll hold on to the salvation that's why the psalmist says my soul clings to the lord because i know what i have received from god abraham was not justified by his works the moment in your account something you see you're all working and your pay may be credited to your account you know you can have credit in two ways one is you work all through your year all through the month you work and at the end of the month you get your pay credited into your account you know they have not done any any favor to you your company has not done any favor they are obliged to pay you worked you earned so that was credited the other way the account can be credited is you give me the account number i put 1 lakh rupee into your account gift just gift you have received a credit i said it is yours it is yours you don't have to pay back it's yours so you have received the credit now when we receive salvation from god it is not we work for one month and god has given the salvation the credited the righteousness has been credited not because god is obliged to pay us god out of his free will he chose to credit that into my account that's why it was credited to abraham abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness god credited to abraham's account as righteousness i know it's, it's difficult we'll continue to follow this because right from the beginning right from genesis chapter 156 actually it's 156 which paul is quoting here paul is amplifying clarifying let the let the people in rome be very clear they were already they were believers but let them understand this doctrine of justification clearly that's the reason he is explaining he says right from the old testament righteousness that we have received from god is free gift it is free gift the moment you have received as a free gift there will be no place for pride in your heart you will never look at others that i am better than you we are unable to share the gospel with people of other faiths we think they are not christians so it will take long lot of things for them to come and accept jesus oh no 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 when god saved us we were unrighteous they are also unrighteous we may be taking the name of jesus they may be taking some other name both of us were 
to be judged as wicked. God in His grace saved us. So you just, God in His grace can save them also. God in His grace can save anybody. Salvation belongs to Him and to Him alone. So we should not have those mental barriers. Oh, these people are doing like this so they cannot come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. No, we should remove those mental barriers. For that, first we need to realize I was a wicked person. I was to be judged, but God saved me. If God can save me, God can save anyone. So Abraham was not justified by, justified by his works. Then what is the saving faith? What is the saving faith? I'll just explain that statement. Christians are simul justice et peccator. Dr. A.C. George did his thesis only on this. You know, Martin Luther says, Christians are simul justice et peccator. At the same time, both righteous and sinful. When God saved us, we were righteous as well as sinful. That does not give us liberty to remain in a sinful condition, but that was our status. Okay, what is saving faith? What is saving faith? I think the best explanation you can get from is Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards says that God, in the act of justification, has no regard to anything in the person justified. as godliness or any goodness in him. But that immediately before this act, God beholds him only as an ungodly creature. When God saved us, we say, no, we made a commitment on that so-and-so day, I accepted Jesus Christ. It is just that before that moment, we, are, we were considered as ungodly creature. There's nothing good in us. Nothing good in us. Nothing good in us. All our good is like filthy rags. Let us not boast our ego saying that I was a better person, good person. No, when God saved us, we all were wicked and God saved us at that stage. That is why salvation is precious. That is why this free gift is so precious. You know, because we were to be judged and condemned, but God chose to save you and me. What a great God! Can you realize His love? Love for you and love for me? Why should He choose you? Why should He choose me over all the people in this world? That is His love. We will never be able to explain this. Never. In sovereign will of God, He chose you and me to have this blessing. Paul says, faith is basically the trust in God that God can save me. Just the trust in God's saving power. That's what Paul says, you know, he talks about faith. In other words, before you save, 
before you and I were saved, we trusted in many things. But the day we were saved, our entire trust, we place it on God. We place our entire trust on God. That is the salvation experience. That is the true salvation experience. We don't believe in our religiosity. We don't believe in doing things. But this trust in this God who has saved me, who has given his righteousness for me. You know, it's not that we stop doing good work, but we don't do good work so that we'll get some points from God. As if it's not that if I do something wrong, God is displeased or I lose my salvation. We need to realize that very clearly. It doesn't give you a freedom to commit sin because the once you understand what God has given you, you know, Paul will explain about sanctification. Paul will explain about the Christian life, how to lead a true Christian life in the chapters that will follow. But once you realize how you were saved, how you were saved, what was your condition when God saved you, you will realize how important and it is glorious. A Christian is one who stops working to be saved, not one who stops working. Okay, now we say Abraham justified by God. I said Abraham was not justified by his works and we saw what saving faith is. Now, Abraham was justified by faith. What is that faith? You know, the verse 3 says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, we can say that God exists. We can believe that God exists. But that's not the faith Paul is talking about. You know, we can say that God is a good God, loving God. You can even say that the Bible is God's word. We can believe in all that. But that is not the saving faith. That's not the faith Paul is referring to. We can even have reverence for God. In this country, people have reverence for God. People have reverence for God. But that is not the faith that will save. Because all this faith, all this kind of faith will make us to have our trust in something else, in our vocation, in our job, in our designation, in our parenting skills, we will think, oh, we can do that. But faith in God is totally different. It is basically from the day you save, your trust in God is complete. It is wholesome. If that has not taken place, that's what God desires should take place. I trust in God wholeheartedly. It's no longer me. If there is any worth in me, it is because of God. Because I knew my condition when God saved me. So the moment you are able to transfer your trust from yourself, man by nature, 
He's capable of creating few things. He's capable of making few things. That's why right in the Tower of Babel, you read that, let's build a tower for ourselves so that we can make a name for ourselves. Man always tries to create a name. That's why after his name also, he writes degrees. If he has not completed also, he writes within brackets. You see, he wants to make a name for himself. That's his desire. More the alphabets, more qualification, more dowry. You see, his trust is where? Is in education. But the moment you trust in God and you understand you have been saved, your entire trust and worth comes from God. Not, do you know who I am? No, no. I know who I was and I know what God did for me. That is the saving faith. And that's the kind of faith Abraham had. Abraham was not a Christian when God called him. Abraham was an idolater. He was living in a country where polytheism was in practice. But God chose him. God chose him. Abraham did not deserve it. He did not merit it. But God called him. In the same way God has called each one of us. We may be inside the church, we may be outside the church. But God, while saving us, he has called each one of us the way he called Abraham. Now, because of the church, uh, or maybe because of our religiosity, when we walk into the church, over a period of time, we, we have not paid enough attention to the salvation. Oh, I believed in Jesus, I have been saved. Maybe the evangelistic uh, evangelists, they preach and we have picked up this jargon. And so we miss out salvation is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. We miss out. Now people who have been going to church for a number of years, if you ask them, today if you die, And if you go and stand before the gate, and if God asks you, why should I allow you inside the heaven? People respond differently. I'm talking about people who go to church. So let's see how people uh, respond. The first person. Can I have the first person? I have tried to be a good Christian. So God, you better allow me inside. Now what's the problem with this? The justification we studied as a gift and this one. I have tried to be a good Christian. What's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? I have tried to be a good Christian. After all, all of us are trying to, striving to be better people. But when you stand before God, we cannot go with this claim, I have tried to be a good Christian. Because the moment God 
I get a place, entry into heaven, because I have been a good Christian, that means I, my salvation has come by works. I have earned it. I have earned it. My entry into heaven is because I made it. I lived a good Christian life. But righteousness from God is just credited to us. We receive it. Okay, now what's the second group of people say? Because God, I believe in God and try to do your will. I believe in God. After all, we are asked to believe in God and we are supposed to do his will. Let your will be done. We, are, we don't get entry into heaven because I led a good Christian life. I don't even get entry into heaven because I believe in God and try to do his will because this is salvation plus works. Salvation. Now the third group of people say, Because I believe in God with all my heart. I know we are struggling. I know many of us are struggling with these statements. Because this is what we have been taught and trained. We don't go to heaven because of these things. We go to heaven because of the righteousness that was imputed to us. In the absence of these three, still we can go into heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus told the man on the cross, he said, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be in paradise. Did he lead a good Christian life? No. Did he try to do God's will? No. What's yours? Did he say that I believe in you with all my heart? He said, remember me. He didn't say, I believe in you. He said, remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in? We will all go to heaven. Not because of any of these three reasons. Should we do this? We will come. When we come to Romans chapter 8 onwards, you will see that. You know, all things work for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Then the next verse says, you are supposed to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the sanctification process. But none of us will go to heaven because of these things. Salvation is a free gift. Today you will be with me in paradise. It is not because of the good Christian, good Christian life he led, because he tried to do God's will, because he believed in God with all my heart, all he said is, Jesus, remember me. All of us will go to heaven because Jesus remembered us. We will go to heaven because Jesus remembered us. We have been saved because Jesus remembered us. That is why salvation is very precious. It is so precious and it is free. It's a free gift. That's why we have to go out and preach the gospel because it's a free gift available to everyone. 
who will be saved who will not be saved it is not in our hands god knows who is to be saved who is not to be saved but you and i are supposed to go and tell that gospel message you and i were not saved because we are born in a christian family you and i were not saved because we did, we led a christian good christian life you and i were saved because of god's mercy salvation is by gift and by gift alone i know over the period of time we have all had our own view what is salvation why i will go to heaven you if you will go to heaven only because of jesus we'll go to heaven only because of jesus now what happens after that we'll study about the sanctification we'll study salvation is a pure gift that comes from god and paul says abraham paul says david i hope all these three are clear none of us will go to heaven because we're holding this placards we can only say because of what jesus did on the cross it's what he did on the cross that is why the lord's supper is precious that is why when we come here our hearts should be warmed up in fact of what jesus did for you and me that's why when we take the name of jesus we should be excited something within us should spring forth and say thank you lord jesus when we hear the word of cross we should be grateful to the lord jesus that is salvation that is true salvation we have not received salvation because we led a good life thank you you can be seated now when we understand the salvation this justification paul says that will bring blessings justification brings blessings and he quotes in verse 6 david david says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom god credits righteousness apart from works you know if there was if if somebody could boast about it david could say that after all i was a king after all god chose me i was a king i was a great king you you see israel i have extended their territory all don't you remember i brought the ark of the lord to jerusalem in fact i established jerusalem if something was there to boast about david could do that but at the same time david was also an adulterer he was not only an adulterer he was a murderer he was not only a murderer he murdered through conspiracy it still was but david does not say blessed is the man who does not transgress blessed is the man who obeys he, david does not say those things what david says in verse uh, in verse 7 and 8 basically the verse 7 and 8 paul is writing from psalm chapter 32 verses 1 and 2 he's just quoting the psalm blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered blessed is the one who sin the lord will never logizomai that is will never count against them you know once you have been saved people find it difficult to preach this because they think that if you they come to know the salvation then they will continue to live in sin no if you really know you know once you have been saved 
God is not going to count your sins. When you stand before God, it is the righteousness of God that takes you to heaven. When you understand this righteousness of God as a free gift, you will always, you will think twice, should I do this or I should not do this? When you understand the preciousness of this salvation, it will not make you to commit more sin, rather it will make you to repent and come to this God every time you fall. You are not crushed because we are human beings, we will commit sin. And so when we commit sin, we don't condemn ourselves. That's why the Bible says, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In Romans chapter 8, Paul will say, now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Does it mean those who are in Christ never commit sin? Any one of us can say, I have been saved and I don't commit sin at all. I don't repent at all at the end of the day. Father, forgive me for what I did. There is no condemnation in the sense sin cannot condemn you because God has given his righteousness to you and me. So because he has given his righteousness, that is the blessing. That is the blessing. We should have that confidence. We don't have to live in anxiety. Oh, what will happen? Will I go to heaven or not? Oh, what God will think? God considers you as pure, blameless, holy before him. Holy God considers you as holy, blameless, because he has covered you with the righteousness of God. That is salvation. That is the gift that we have received from God. You know, that is worth more than you can think of anything in this world. God gave it as a free gift to all of us. That's why David says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You know, if you study Hebrew, you will find all the terms, the transgressions different, sin different. Everything is what? Covered. Covered. David knew he was an adulterer. David knew he was a murderer. But David also knew he has received his righteousness from God. So that's why he says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin in the Lord will never count against them. When we have this kind of assurance, now we will not have fear, anxiety. You know, if, if you fall, somebody says, hey, you did that mistake. You will be very, you will be eager, you will be ready to accept it. Yes, I did a mistake. You don't have to try to cover it up. Oh, what people will think about me. God has already thought about you as perfect. I'll go back to God. Ask him, God, forgive me. You realize nobody can blackmail you. Nobody can make fun of you. You don't have to lead an anxious life, insecure life. Because once you know what Jesus did for you, and once you know your security is in God, in God alone, you will trust in him more and more. That's why it's important we understand this clearly. Let me quickly read a story and finish this. The story is told of a poor farmer who had saved his money for years in order to buy an ox to pull his plow. When he thought he had saved enough, he traveled a great distance 
to the nearest town to shop for an ox. He soon discovered, however, that the paper money he had been saving had been replaced by a new currency and that the date for exchange from the old to the new had long since passed. We are all familiar with demonetization. Because he was illiterate, the man requested a neighbor, schoolboy, to write a letter to the president of their country explaining his dire situation and asking for an exemption. The president was touched by the letter and wrote back to the farmer, the law must be followed because the deadline for exchanging bills has already passed. The government can no longer change your bills for the new ones. Even the president is not exempt from this rule. However, the president continued, because I believe that you really worked hard to save this money, I am changing your money for new money from my own personal funds so that you will be able to buy your rocks. You know, basically to tell, before God, all our good works are worthless. Before God. We will continue with sanctification, what God has done. You know, when we have been saved, Ashish, can you come here? Stand here. Look there. When we have been saved, the day we were saved, we were like this, black, to be punished. We were wicked. When we stood, the day we were saved, this is the way we were. It is not that the moment, the day we were saved, this has been removed. God, in his mercy, he covers us with his righteousness. This is what happened on the day of salvation. On the day of salvation, this is what happened. God looks at us as righteous. Nobody can condemn us. Even sin that is there underneath, sin also cannot condemn us. But what is God's plan for us? We will slowly conform to his image. Slowly this black will start disappearing from our lives. That is sanctification. Slowly, slowly, God, when we realize the salvation, the gift that we have received, slowly, 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 this black will start moving from us. But the day when we see God, this is no longer there. We will be transformed into a new image. But today, when God has saved us, when you and I have been saved, God is only looking at this. That is why sin cannot condemn us anymore. This can happen to anyone in this world. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift. We need to just preach the gospel. Who will be saved, who will not be saved is not our business. It is not even our business to say, you have to do these things. No, salvation is a free gift. You just say, Jesus the Son of God came 
and died for our sins. On the third day, he rose again. He is alive. And he gives new life if you accept him as his personal savior. That's it. That's it. That's all. You don't have to do anything. When you believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ, God imputes his righteousness to us. This is salvation. This is more precious than anything. This is more precious than anything in this world. If you have been saved, your heart should rejoice, not because you have got a promotion, not because you have bought a house, because you have been saved. Because you know this God. You know this God. This God has loved you, has saved you, has rescued you. Today we were singing, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. He redeemed us. He redeemed us with his blood. With his broken body, he redeemed us. That is why salvation is precious. Justification by faith. That's why, shall we go back to Romans chapter 1, 17, the beginning? Shall you go to this? For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Your righteousness, that is by faith, from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. Shall we all bow our heads and look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for this great privilege you had given to us, redeeming us while we were yet sinners, forgiving us, revealing a love to us. Father, we thank you that you had covered us with your righteousness. Today we stand, we are able to pray, we are able to worship, we are able to take part in the communion, we are able to serve communion, we are able to be Lord pastors and servants of God and musicians and worship leaders, ushers and Lord master doing your work only because of your imputed righteousness. I pray that we the church will realize that you are working in us. Father, the salvation that you had given to us so freely. We thank you we are able to stand before you justified and we are accepted by you as we are. But we also thank you Lord even though that you had given us this salvation freely as a gift without our works. You are reminding us work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Father, we thank you that even as we yield, even as we look to you, you're going to transform us into your likeness. And one day when we see you, we're going to, we are going to be like you as you are. And our lives are going to be transformed. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this blessing. Father, we will be, Lord, be people in the world. Lord, who will always look to you for your sanctification, the work of sanctification to take place in us. We will come to a place where, by your grace, while we live in this world, because of your grace and because of your working in us and your resurrected power in us, we will be able to see the effect of the gift of salvation in us, O God. And we'll be able to live in this world for your glory. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for this imputed righteousness. We don't deserve it. But we accept it and we thank you that we are going to see you one day as you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.